This call is now being recorded. Welcome to the V2V podcast. My name is Marcus Paris. I'm called Aurelius. And today we are talking with actress, author, porn star, Stoya, and all the things that she is, has been up to lately. And we'll get into a discussion about how to navigate her particular world and the, maybe the tools she uses to uh, retain some sense of sovereignty in our um, So, uh, welcome. Good to have you. Thank you. Um, I do not identify as an actress or a porn star. I am a pornographer who has done gotcha. some acting and is mostly a writer. So I just wanted to kind of clean up that introduction a little bit. Sure. Uh, well, <laughs> At least you of... didn't call me an activist. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't find that that term really fits. In fact, some of the stuff that I've read uh, from informal publications, interviews that you've done, kind of adamantly that you are indeed not an activist, rather um, an entertainer who. Um, may or may not uh, want people to get to think differently about pornography and, and things of, of that nature. Um, is that is that more accurate? Well, I'm a compulsive explainer. So, like, when the penthouse-loving late 40-year-old dude comes up and is like, hey, street harassment... I kind of get it, but I don't really get it. Or like, this gender, can you please explain what this is and why we're supposed to be using it? Like, I'm like, of course, I'd love to. Um, nothing brings me more joy than that or explaining Balkan politics. Um, so I do, you know, I end up doing some of the work of activism at times, but there were maybe about three years there where everyone wanted to use that label and I'm like no guys it does a disservice to the actual activist and like kind of the same thing with acting like the most uncomfortable with is occasional actress because like a real working actor is busting their ass 24-7 practically like they're out there doing auditions, they're doing readings, they're rehearsing, and I'm like, I'm real busy with the paperwork of running a porn company. Right. Oh, that that kind of leads me to um, your uh, recent uh, movie, uh, AI Rising, which I, I watched yesterday with a, a group of friends, and I thought it was pretty amazing. Um, in in its uh, tonality and I, I think uh, the acting was uh, really effective Thank and you. it looked great it sounded great um, it was a movie and and what was interesting about it not that not that it was a good movie but what was interesting to me was there were I think there were four men watching this um, the different reactions, and, and and to not get into the spoilers, but the different reactions to uh, the, the various um, problems that occurred 
on this uh, journey with this cosmonaut and android. Um, I I don't think I've ever really experienced watching a movie with where I re- started reacting to the reaction of the other people watching it. Um, it stirred up a lot of um, I don't even know how to explain it like patriarchal outbursts <laughs> it was it, it, um, it was it was uh, it was wild um, but uh, I think it was fantastic uh, and uh, I, I had read some reviews and um, it's it was uh, a lot of uh, there wasn't a lot of middle ground. People either loved it or didn't like it because of, the, and most of the people didn't like it because of uh, their idea of it being uh, paced in a certain way. But what it did recall for me was uh, kind of a conglomeration of uh, 2001 and Blade Runner, um, and it's I don't know. It's just, I was surprised. I mean, I was happily surprised. Uh, and how so, uh, good and effective it was. So, I recommend um, it. I th- thank you. The director oh. heavily referenced Tartovsky, and this makes me think of this morning I was reading um, it was something on the Balkanist written by someone who was interesting. So I was like, sure, I'll click through to your other article on the difference between Anglophone and other European essay styles um, and I was reading that piece and it was on Medium and the guy is saying Anglophone uses this one structure where it's like here's what I'm about to explain to you supporting point, supporting point, supporting point, wrapping up my case, ta-da! and the European style is a lot more relaxed and um, kind of like mushy and meandery and self-referential and so anglophones tend to see it as bad um yeah and one thing i was really happy with a lack of exposition to be honest yeah i think that was uh yeah it's uh uh, sorely missing in this world cinematic world the lack of exposition yeah when you understand like this is a serbian science fiction film they don't right. have science fiction in Serbia. Everyone thought these guys were crazy. And then they starred, like, cast a porn performer as the star, and everybody thought right. they were completely batshit. Um, yeah. It so, worked. And congratulations on your uh, fest award, too. That's incredible. Thank you. It hangs on my wall. <laughs> I'm very proud of it. Right. right under yeah, and the director as well, pieces. right? It's, it's my wall of, like, this is my resume. Um, yeah, great. So, will this lead to more? Uh, I don't I've know. I, okay, so, I hate the term legitimate film because I know that in the world of, of, of pornography, oftentimes that is the uh, tag given to uh, porno, the pornographic film industry as the legitimate film industry. Um, so, are you are you going to or looking to pursue more um, non-sex films? So everyone has a typecasting problem mm-hmm. and I'm not really interested in playing a bad cartoon of a porn star. 
So right. it doesn't look particularly likely that I'll be doing more movies. <laughs> because at no. this point, like, I'm tired of reading scripts and finding out that the role is for oh. a bad version of one of my coworkers, you know? Um, and it, it takes it takes a good 45, 50 minutes to read a script. And that's a big chunk of time. So. Right. So, so rather than that, um, is, will it be um, more plot-driven things like Talk Derby to me? Um, and, is, and is that feminist porn? Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, so <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. The, only, the only way that Talk Derby happened to me is because the director approached me with a very specific sort of respect and had a clear vision. And I got to tell you porn projects like that do not happen very often um right also i'm 32 like i run a porn company i want to focus on that porn company not on something that i got a day rate for um gotcha. so will i be doing more interesting experimental things with zero spaces absolutely is it going to be attempting to hit a high narrative bar no because we don't have the resources for that. And the best way to right. do something decent is to take stock of what your actual resources are and aim for something functional in that space. Um, right. I've also, I've also read finished, that you are not, sorry, uh, go ahead. Well, to finish the interesting question before is talk derby feminist porn, which I would say no, um, but will I do more acting? Yeah, it's just, it's going to be in small off-Broadway theaters in New York with people who can, like, stretch and give me a role that's something more interesting than, as I keep saying, a bad cartoon in my actual life. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love I love the theater, uh, too. Uh, I have a, uh, a background in, uh, in theatrical uh, productions with part of a multicultural... Uh, theater company back in the in the 90s in uh in southern california and uh i, I just love the immediacy of it immediacy of it and the instant feedback and, and the idea that you're almost always wrong about your audience whether it be uh something funny and they're too quiet or or uh all, all those different scenarios regarding how to like the how to not pay attention to the fact that there is a, a live audience in front of you and the mantra used to be um, fuck the audience um, and like you know perform like they're not there um, so I can see the appeal and and I think that's very cool that uh, that as far as acting goes you want to pursue that that direction um, well the only so reason the only reason to do acting is because it's fun. Right. Like, there are very few people that it pays incredibly well. And everything else, like, what you get paid is not worth the blood, sweat, and tears that it takes out of you. Sure. The only reason Absolutely. to do it is because you love it. And so it's got to be a role that's actually interesting to me. Otherwise, like, you know, there are 500 skinny pale brunettes who would give their left hit to be on stage doing anything. 
And for them, it is a stretch and an interesting character to play because they're not a sex worker, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, can we get into... Uh, okay, so let me let me back up it a little bit. Uh, my collaborator and I did a, did a podcast that was ostensibly going to be about how to define what feminist porn is. And in my... The brief amount of research I did, I, I found I got into a, a hornet's nest of conflicting ideas, and um, it it was a, it was an idea presented by uh, one of our listeners. She wanted to look at take a, us to take a look at um, that as a suggestion from her. So what the episode ended up being was uh, a visit down the YouTube rabbit hole starting with someone presenting what feminist porn was and then just clicking forward and going into god knows what so um because it didn't really coalesce into a subject that was easily definable um oh my god i am so ready to alexander this shit (laughs) go ahead what does that mean finish finish it finish it Um, so, I guess the, the, the question is, um, what is it? Is, is, right. is, it, is it a thing? Okay. You, you are presenting me with a Gordian knot, and I am, <laughs> I am prepared to Alexander. You cannot define feminist porn at this stage. It is impossible. Why is it impossible? Because we can't define pornography or feminism. So how? For the love of all that is holy in the world, are we going to define this compound concept when we cannot define either of its parts? We're on the same page. Yes. So. Um, so, <laughs> let's start. What is porn? I do this book club in Gowanus every month, and we've read a variety of things. This year, we're going to read an even wider variety, including the Song of Songs from the Old Testament. Um, It is a particularly saucy oasis in between the begats and the slaughter. Um, And every month, we're like, hey, is this porn? So, Story of O, definitely porn. Rudy Rucker's The Sex Fear, we don't think it's porn. Some people definitely got boners, or the lady equivalent, the lady boner. But mm-hmm. the room didn't think it was porn. Um, we can also bring in, for instance, Stripes considers, currently considers only video to be pornographic. All other sexually explicit materials are not porn, and therefore are okay for them to process payments regarding. Um, American Express, I haven't gotten, like, any sort of guideline sheet from them, but I bet they have a definition of what porn is. And so what we need to do, if we want to really answer this question, is continue collecting these kinds of data, which requires a holding place of some sort. Hmm. Yeah, uh, but and it, you were also talking about needing a new language, in a sense, to actually define 
this stuff or define define sex parts or define yeah we need we need a better more robust language that isn't medical and isn't like schoolyard um yeah. with which to discuss bodies but that's completely separate from the issue of what is porn um sure and like jail office whole deal is like you have to know what the dictionary definition of a word is but also how it gets used in everyday conversation and colloquially so like all those definitions we need to really look at them and i don't think people who are talking about feminist porn like unless they volunteer their definitions of feminism and porn i don't think that's the most useful ground to look in i think structures of power like amex are going to have more interesting starting points Yeah, it's, it's it's too amorphous. It 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 uh it sounds nice when you say it. It it doesn't really mean anything. Um yeah. So there was a a study a few years ago that discovered um that learning new words activates the same region of the brain that lights up with uh, sex and and drugs. It's uh, the same uh pleasure centers light up when people learn how to read or or learn new words or or uh expand their vocabulary that's that's that kind of leads me into your uh your set, sex split tour and how that's going and and what's the so what's it's the not feedback a, it's not a, it's not a tour it not happens tour. every okay. month in Gowanus yeah oh okay uh, for some reason yeah. i thought you were traveling okay you're not well that's, that's too bad i, I do have to travel all the time for work but when it's my right. event i do it in my city where i don't have to get on a gotcha. goddamn plane because i don't know if you've traveled by plane i just i must uh-huh. say i quit i quit smoking in october everything smells horrible <laughs> i don't i don't want my lungs to feel like they did when i was smoking but i i'm not happy having a more functional sense of smell it's bad airplanes smell really bad it is horrible being stuck in a metal tube that smells really bad for multiple hours like there's nothing that's going to make that any better except picking up smoking again and so when it's my event it happens in fucking new york where i can take the fucking subway or even walk if i feel like it no it's understood you're not obligated i just i just uh uh i'm a i'm a reader i'm a literary guy you know and uh it sounds like it sounds like it would be a good night that that's all I'm saying so how is the reception of the book doing um on my book yeah okay cuz we did do a sex play with my book where i read from it but that was published a year ago um, right I know there's we're, I know we're behind fine. the curve a little bit. There's there's yeah. always someone that tells me to kill myself. There's always someone that tells me I'm going to hell. There's always someone who says it's wonderful but like clearly didn't read it. Um and a lot of women with ADHD are like I fucking love your writing and I'm like of course you do because you have the same brain differences I do. Uh, so it's that that was actually funny hearing neurotypical people be like blah 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 it's really short. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like all the essays are really short. And then people who have the same neuro- neurological differences that I do are like this is wonderful. It's perfect. And I'm like now I know my audience. Um, oh, okay, that's, that's 
that's uh, that's that's some good insight, I guess, into uh, you know, like touching on like who, because it's a different audience than than your other work, clearly, uh, or, or at least there's some overlap yeah. in the Venn diagram. There's a lot of overlap in the Venn diagram. Like, people who like porn also read people who read like porn. And I've spent over a decade doing interviews with well-intentioned journalists who do have this idea of your average porn consumer that's, like, not particularly kind. And I think you can do better than that. Right. Right. But um, it, it is two distinct audiences, though. I mean, I guess. In, in it, I mean, well, one one is the visual medium, the other one is is uh, reading. Um, do you read? That's not to say that. Do I read? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you watch movies? Yeah, I I do watch. Yeah, I I, I see where you're going with this. Yes, yeah. I watch movies too. But there are there are folks who who don't who don't watch movies and read, and vice versa. But uh, I think are, yeah, I'm getting too. Uh, I'm getting. I'm trapping myself into a into an untenable you are, position. I know. You are, and like I'm not even doing anything. You're like by yourself. Oh my God. No, it's cool. That's why. That's why it's cool to talk to me because because my um, my philosophy in life generally is I don't I don't know what I'm doing and it's worked out so pretty well so far. So I'm going to stay on that that track and not plan a whole lot of things and, and, and keep uh, keep rocking and rolling. Um, okay. See, when I feel an interviewer getting nervous, my first instinct is like, Stoya, what are you doing to cause this situation? And I know I'm full of the just got my period this morning, like rage and incredibly low tolerance for anything. <laughs> but no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm doing this to you. Um, I no, no, not at all. No, this is you all had a quote. You had a quote yeah. that you were excited about. I, I did have a quote that I was excited about. So this person, um, she's a, a literary critic from from the early early 20th century. Her name, she's still uh, with us. Her name is Sandra M. Gilbert, and she wrote a lot about uh, second wave feminist feminism in the literary sense. And I found this this quote, which was interesting when applied to to you, I guess. Um, it, it's that, and she was talking about female authors of the 19th century. So she says that the female authors of the 19th century dramatize their own self-division, their desire to both accept the structures and patriarchal society and to reject them. And um, even though now you kind of disabused me of the idea that, that that's kind of what you're about, it makes sense that that you do kind of ride that line being um, an, an entrepreneur uh, making pornography in a in this heavily uh, patriarchal society and and kind of both accepting and rejecting any thoughts um that implies so much more agency than an attractive young woman has in the world, really. Hmm. And when I was 19, 20, 21, 
I fooled myself into thinking that I was achieving some control over the sexualization and objectification of myself by taking the reins, negotiating a rate, at least having, you know, some ability to push back on set and say, I don't particularly like this eyeshadow or I would like to wear this. Um, you know, choosing photographers who are going to present you in a certain way, although Sometimes the photographer decides that you're special and he's going to try something new. Um, but, like, no matter, no matter how much ownership and responsibility I've taken on, at the end of the day, when I put up a sex scene on my own site behind a paywall with Mickey Maud, who happens to be a black man, Somebody's going to take that, upload it to Pornhub, and add phrases that I find offensive, like big black cock. Right. Like, there's a little... So how do you reconcile... So no, you I don't. Get, I get that. You don't, and you end up snapping at some poor fucking intern from Jezebel about how Foucault was celebrated for his contradictions, goddammit. And then they come back with a really nice apology because they realized that they weren't treating you like a human for a second, and that's why you verbally thanked them. Um, right, but you work for Digital Playground, <laughs> which is owned by MindGeek, who own Well, why did home. MindGeek buy them? I don't when did MindGeek um, buy Digital Playground? I don't in know. I, I don't have that information. I started with Digital Playground in 2007. The company that I worked for for years, which was, yes, absolutely patriarchal. Yes, absolutely run by a man who saw the performers as kind of mannequins to have things done to as needed for the scenes. Um, right. It was definitely run like a small factory, but it was not owned by Manwin. And then Manwin okay. bought it. Right. Um, Got it. And like yeah, these timelines yeah. are so important. They are, they are. And so, and, and that was, uh, you know, the purpose of that question was to find out because I, I, I wasn't aware. Because it, yeah. it's an interesting setup for them, for uh, for uh, Pornhub to also own uh, oh, the production, you mean, means of production. You mean for someone to build a bunch of tube sites, use them to devalue the market, and then start scooping up production houses until they have a monopoly? That's interesting. Well, this, that's what happened, right? Yeah. In a lot of ways. I mean, didn't didn't they pretty much scoop everything up? Like all the two, uh, to my understanding, at least at least the majority of them. Uh, the majority of the tube traffic. So, okay. you know, they own a lot of the bigger ones. Maybe not right. so much the smaller ones. They don't own all the big ones, but they own a bunch of them. Meanwhile. Yeah. Another company called Gamma, which doesn't do the tube site stuff so much, has also turned into kind of a conglomerate. Um, so that does provide some competition, at least. Right. Maybe not competition, but performers can say, I don't want to work for Manwin and get decent work from Gamma or vice versa. Um, sure. And porn tube which is different from Pornhub. Yes. They're involved 
to a degree that I'm not sure about with Greg Lansky of Blast.com and Vixen.com and like blah, blah, blah. Now, I'm me, so I think Blast.com is still racist. So I'm judgmental about it. But at least having these kind of larger entities forming in addition to MindGeek, which is what Manwin is called now, um, at least there are other groups that do provide other options for work. Oh, good. That's, I think that's, that's, that's at least uh, something positive. Uh, I get the, the final thing I guess I want to know is can, uh, can uh, pornography be funny? Can sex, can sex and uh, humor uh, coexist? Yes. Yeah? I, I have not... I've not really seen funny porn. Like, and I don't, it's not that I wasn't, that I was seeking it out, but it's not on my radar. Do you know Joanna Angel? Uh, only peripherally. Um, is, is, okay. she, is she funny? Try, try I mean, her stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's like All what right, people cool. talk about, about her work is how funny it is. Um, the setup. I mean, I, I don't know about the I mean, sex. I, see, I, I don't I think, think Daisy Morgan's funny. I don't know who that is. Dr. Booty. She's funny because she has a tattoo of, a, of, a, of an octopus on her ass that goes okay. all the way in, uh, to her anus. And it's funny just because it's there. But it's not, it's not comedic pornography. But I'll, I'll check out Joanna Angel and, and recommend anyone who is looking for humorous pornography to uh, to do the same. I mean that's the setup. I, right. I don't I don't know if you're look if you're looking for funny sex that's gonna be a lot harder because arousal and laughter rarely co occur and we're definitely aiming for arousal when we're making porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just a, it's just an interesting mashup of genres that, that don't exactly coincide. But I, I like the idea of it because I'm a fan of both humor and sex. And I was just pondering whether or not that was a thing. These are the things I think about. Did we ever get to the quote? Yeah, I read it. It was the, uh, the from uh, the reconciliation between... Um, right, uh, okay. The, being a part of the patriarchy and rebelling against it as a as a writer can i can i rant uh, about tito for a minute sure (laughs) my roommate just went ah he's threatened (laughs) to make bingo cards uh yeah he's talking about bingo (laughs) cards so yeah rant away please all right so picture this it's world war ii the balkans what will become yugoslavia is crawling with monarchy and fascists and Nazis and that's kind of the same thing but there were a lot so we're going to mention them twice and there's all sorts of madness Uh, people are using the Nazi ideology as an excuse to start loading their own enemy groups into trains it's awful Uh, Josef Rose Tito fight everyone unite the youth and with the help of communist Russia, liberates that area. Um, and then 
this country, Yugoslavia, coalesces around him. And he's a little bit of a dictator, but he's very benevolent. And okay, yeah, he does have Goli Oturk, this like prison island. But as I said, he's still a little bit of a dictator. Um, and at a certain point, Stalin, you know, Stalin is. Yes. Yes. Stalin is like, Tito, you have to do ABC. And Tito's like, you know what, Stalin? Go fuck yourself. Yes, he successfully told Stalin to go fuck himself and left the common form. Then he was like, I'm looking at this Cold War thing. We got the United States, we got Russia, and like the whole Northern Hemisphere is kind of dividing along these lines. And so he talks to India and a bunch of South American and African countries, basically the developing world, and they unite and form the non-aligned movement, which was the third alternative to the binary of the U.S. and Russia. And um, every once in a while, I like to say certain things are my birthright. For instance, not wearing a bra with a thin t-shirt. I am a porn performer. It is my right. Um, I am a quarter Serbian. It is my right to consistently harp on Tito and his third alternative and his guys, what is this binary? This binary is not entirely accurate and unnecessary. And that's how I feel with these contradictions. It's like, guys, like, you know, you probably don't have borderline personality disorder. You don't need to be constantly looking at the world in like black and white and like this or that. And like, usually it's messier and more complicated and so, like, if we want to talk about whether my career has been feminist, like, we need a couple hours. Yeah. And we need to really dig into stuff. Because to give, like, a high-level note, you know, making porn specifically aimed at heterosexual couples. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a little feminist. Because it's partially meant for women but like is it feminist porn absolutely not a woman having a job where they can financially take care of themselves is that feminist i didn't think it was i thought it was the bare minimum but like once you introduce the question of whether there can be feminism under capitalism like actually any woman having a job where they can financially support themselves is still not a guarantee so like maybe that is a little feminine but is me going to work any more feminist than a executive assistant going to work or a hairdresser or like any of these different kinds of jobs um and it no, really, I not. we can go on for miles right right so i think i think kind of definitively really the answer is like no, no, there, um, there isn't such a thing as uh, feminist work as defined by first and second wave feminism. Um, really, the idea of, of the third wave is that there is no cohesive goal, and it's all about individualism. So women and then peripherally men get to define what 
feminism is to them on their own terms. I, I think that's the only, I think that's the dead end that we come to. Yeah, and which I, is like beautiful and so millennial, but it's not very useful for defining things and then categorizing them. No, so we should take Keto's example and, and express an attitude of neutrality. Um. Wow. And then, ha- and then develop outside. more. And then be able to develop more influence on the entities and uh, people around us through our position of neutrality, not taking necessarily one side or the other, but just being well, who we are. See, the thing about Tito is it wasn't so much neutral as playing both sides. Uh, okay. That's, that's an important differentiation. Yes. Yeah. It was a, hey, if we all clump up as a group, then it'll be harder for the U.S. and or Russia to squash us. Non-alignment. Right. So, yeah. But, yeah. But then loosely being aligned with Egypt, India, Indonesia, and Ghana. Right. Um, right. So then like, that it increased like, the sphere of influence greatly by kind of partnering up with these other smaller, kind of can, not small, but other countries who we can who make neither, it like, neither. Go ahead. We can make it totally about U.S. politics and point out that this Republican Democrat one two hasn't gotten us anywhere good lately. Right. And so, like, pushing for options that are anything that would be an improvement. Um, I don't know. I know some of the states have done interesting things with, like, first, second, third choice voting. Um, I feel like something's got to change there. Definitely. I think uh, maybe we can leave it at that. Something's got to change. Thanks for talking to me. Cool. Um, I hope this I wasn't fun. too abrasive. Great. Awesome. No, no, ah. it wasn't. I don't think it took it as abrasive at all. Oh, by the way, on a, on a final note, um, something personal about me is when I lost my virginity, it was, um, I was uh, 16 and I was drunk at uh, my neighbor's house, and there were some uh, some of my friends' uh, sisters' friends, there, older older women who were like I think this, this lady was thirty. She was a, a nurse, apparently a lesbian, and we were playing a drinking board game called Blackout. Anyway, that ended. We ended up in a hot tub, started fooling around, and then went back inside the house and had sex, and she was calling me pumpkin all night, which I found really endearing. When I went to the restroom, after it was all over, uh, it was blood everywhere. And I, it freaked me out. So what happened was that I uh, didn't know it at the time, but on the first time out, I got my red wing. There you go. should have warned you yeah we were drunk and I I was freaked out and she said oh I'm so I'm sorry when I came back into the room and, and then for a, a week I thought I had AIDS and oh you know I was I didn't know that. but but now it's like a 
it's like this weird badge of of interesting uh, sexual experience. So uh, yeah, I don't, and I guess the point being is that I don't mind if you're on your period or not, and I don't think you were abrasive at all. It was fun. Oh great. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. You're welcome. You too. Bye bye. Sorry.